I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. A podcast that is brought to you by the Committee to Reinvade Vietnam. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of mazeandbrew.com. Andy, you handsome despot with the enthusiasm and calf muscles of a Peloton instructor. How the hell are you, brother? <laughs> I'm good, man. Uh, good to be back. Our first round of the draft last week was one of my favorite all-time pods we've done together. That was just so much fun. The voting is really close right now. You have me edged out 53% to 47% of the vote, but that's where we want it to be. We want it to be real close in that 60 to 40 range. So I'm eager to get back to it tonight with the defense. Got to get a W. Yeah, no one ran away with that one, and that was in my top five for sure. That was a ton of fun, and this one I might be even more excited about. I'm a defense first guy, always have been, always will be. All my favorite players lie on this side of the ball. You have first pick tonight, and that maybe was what gave me the edge. You made a furious comeback in the voting, but looks like I'm going to get you unless uh, the the Bailey Hive really takes to the internet after this one. We'll see. <laughs> Listen, boys, we need you now more than ever. Like, get in there, pump some votes out, find another computer, pump some more out. We're coming back. The Bailey Hive, they need to roll out from underneath their trash cans and find the local library internet connection <laughs> if they can. <laughs> I got my li- they have library cards, but not licenses. There's a big difference. Living out back behind an Aldi's. You can still get onto that Wi-Fi from back behind the dumpsters. I've tried it. Oh, man. Waking up from the Excalibur slumber. <laughs> got the meat sweats. Pretty pretty fine Tuesday for me. Pretty typical stuff, really. Oh, man. Well, I want to get into this one, so let's get into some quick hits and get through that. Uh, do you want to talk about Michigan hockey? I tuned into a little bit of that absolute debacle in the uh, in Cleveland Brown Stadium. Do you want to talk about that at all or no? I mean, not really, <laughs> but... Uh... It was, uh, it was a rough weekend. I mean, I tried to get everybody invested in this hockey season, and eventually it was going to come to a head and hit some rough patches here late. Uh, first game against Ohio State is marred by penalties. Luke Hughes gets injured, uh, which was devastating, and, and Michigan ends up dropping that one in overtime on senior night in Columbus. Game two was just a complete disaster outdoors. Like, it's a fun spectacle. It's outside. It's cool. It's different. But as far as the product's concerned, it was awful. Like, there were too many stoppages. The ice kept breaking. They had to start the second intermission early, then play four minutes when they got back. 
then break, then switch sides and play the third. It was just a complete mess. Uh, Michigan fell to the Buckeyes. They got one point. But it was a weird week across college hockey. I mean, BU is struggling right now. St. Cloud State, Denver, a lot of people struggled and dropped some games. I think three or four teams inside the top ten had the same exact weekend as Michigan. They got one point out of a possible six. So did not drop in the standings. Still number three in the pairwise, trending for a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. So looking for a get-right weekend coming up against Notre Dame. Here's my contributions to that wonderful analysis. There is a steakhouse down here in Florida called Fantilli's. <laughs> I will be a t- I will be Oh, oh yeah, wow. I'll be trying that out this weekend. I drove past that today. And my second take, should we not be doing these like we're we're teams of the north? If we're going to do this outdoors, why not just go full into this? And let's fly up into the UP somewhere, find a, a like a just a barren lake and erect some uh, bleachers around it a la Mystery Alaska. Like let's go into this thing and actually lean into the fact that we are teams of the north. How do you feel about this? I would love this, but Ward Manuel is going to do nothing to support Brandon Narato. Every time he loses, he just sits at home like over a barrel of ribs, and he's just, oh, 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 just so happy he lost another game. I like that uh, attempt at a job of the hut laugh for Ward Manuel. Yeah, if you expect Ward Manuel to do anything, I mean, other than feed himself, I, I assume ribs. <laughs> I, I would think you're, you're SOL on that one, but I would like that. Like, let's actually lean into this. Let's just erect a makeshift, you know, whatever hockey rink with some very minimal bleachers surrounding it minimal coverage that's what i want to see but yeah man i'll be watching this week because i think what does the schedule look like this week for hockey uh notre dame right. uh, last two games set of the the year i believe it's at home so michigan has these for senior night and then uh, big 10 tournament seeding is going to come out michigan's still very much alive for a two seed in this minnesota's already locked up the one seed and again if people have any panic over the ohio state series don't like on paper this year, Ohio State's been a very difficult matchup for Michigan. Just the way they play, style, stylistically, their depth through four lines. It just caused them problems both times this year. So don't panic. Michigan kind of hit a speed bump this time last year right before winning the Big Ten tournament. So they're right on track. Michigan basketball is not still very much alive, but alive. Very similar to Leonardo DiCaprio and the Revenant post-bear mauling. Like, alive, but it's not looking good after the win versus Michigan State. If you want a more in-depth breakdown, I went on Big House Bleachers this week with Michael. Uh, That was a fun podcast record. Shout out to him. Uh, We talked about that game. Incredible atmosphere is the one thing I wanted to talk about. Just class act from Michigan on that one. They don't always get it right, but the the tribute to the victims was great. And it was just an entertaining product. It was a really fun game to watch. Crowd was into it. Dickinson was playing well. The Terrace Reed, Joey Baker, Kobe Bufkin lineup once Jet Doug. and Doug McDaniel had a hell of a game. That lineup, um, Kellen Boss shout out to him as well, put out a great piece on mazenbrew.com about how effective that that lineup is and i think that's something we got to see more of going forward so it was enjoyable product and i think we learned some something some stuff in that game a lot of life shown by a team post bear attack so that was awesome i mean closing the game on a 12-0 run it honestly it's it's too late in the season but it felt like a turning point because once again michigan close game things are going back and forth you're tied up with about two minutes to go all of us were thinking the same thing 
oh, can't wait to blow this one again. And then, they, again, they close on a 12-0 run, all sparked by that crazy Kobe Bufkin three. So maybe it's a turning point to get this last little push just to get left out on Selection Sunday, but yeah, we'll see. It's impossible for me to be higher on Kobe Bufkin now. I was late to the party about him being the best player on the team. Because of his two-way ability, I'm there. I think he is the best player on the team. Now, best player and most important player to success might be two different things. Like, you can't take Hunter Dickinson off this team right now. But best overall player, I'm fully there on Bufkin. He's been adopted. Paperwork's been filed. Just need him to sign on the dotted line. I might have to, like, sneak that in. Be like, hey, can I have your autograph? And be like, psych, you've been adopted legally. Wouldn't you just love it if this team somehow backdoored their way into the tournament and got, like, a six seed or something and played Arizona State in the first I round? I would enjoy that greatly. Is that something that is possible? Where's Arizona State at? Actually, I don't care. You don't need to look that up. I know they're a Yeah, no, no. I just, I just figured they'd be, like, a six seed. That just seems right, you know? I can feel it kind of in the Very ether. much a six seed seeming team. Yes, that's great analysis right there. <laughs> um, here we go. PFF, I'm surprised you put this in there, projects Will Johnson as number 10 in an everyone is eligible 2023 draft. Now, granted, we have absolutely no idea how PFF is doing this. For all we know, they're just rattling chicken bones out of a bag and reading the the chicken bones in the universe and how they speak to them. But that's pretty insane that if they could anyone available, Will Johnson would be a top 10 player right now. He's 19 years old. Yeah, it's it's nuts. This is crazy to see because at times like it feels like we're just we're too close to the product. So we can't really see the greatness. And then you take a step away and then you see like a site PFF. I mean, say what you will. You know, I've said enough about it but just to have that kind of recognition from a national level says all you need to know about his potential and coming back for a sophomore season right there I can never remember him I can't remember a Michigan player in recent memory having this kind of buzz entering year two yeah, you got to go back to Jake Long or year two yeah, yeah I was gonna say just coming back in general you got to go back to like Jake Long when we had a player that was projected yep. to be this high coming back so this is outrageous he'll probably get drafted tonight just go ahead and throw that little <laughs> spoiler out there uh Chris Partridge officially coming back to Michigan Sharon Moore officially the offensive coordinator uh, I know you pretty well I know you're pro both these moves but uh you want to dig a little deeper on that yeah it was uh, you know George Hilo uh, left put out a, a really nice statement on his way out the door and Partridge is now officially the linebackers coach uh, I love it for a, a lot of reasons I love Partridge there just because of the recruiting aspect but he's also an outstanding linebackers coach really good with the position there and offensively Sharon Moore like I normally like my OC and O-line coach to be kind of different people but if anyone can do it it's going to be Sharon Moore so I like him running the show on that side of the ball. Now, just remains to be seen who's going to be running it on the defensive side of the ball with the Jesse Mentor news today. Yeah, and sounds like he's the third choice. But what does that tell you about what Michigan did on the defensive side of the ball last year? I mean, Jesse Mentor coming from relative obscurity to interviewing with the Super Bowl runners up like that is elite level. I mean, there is no secret about it now that Michigan is churning out effective defensive coordinators. It's just kind of surprising that they go with Minter and skip right past McDonald. Like that, that is a little strange because Mike Donald McDonald had similar results the year before and a year at Baltimore. So uh, I think maybe they just thought Minter would be a little bit more available possibly, or maybe the McDonald struggles a little bit. I'm doing air quotes last year, scared him off, but it was interesting for sure. I think we'll be safe here, but definitely something to keep your eye on. 
Yeah, the Ravens' defense this past year was really dependent on Roquan Smith. I saw uh, an EPA stat, and it had the Ravens with Roquan Smith on the field. I believe they were the second or first best defense in football. And without him on the field, they were dead last. So that probably left a little bit of like room for the concern as far as the Eagles were looking at it. Maybe he said the availability could have very much been a thing, him just entering his second season there. But Jesse Mentor, man, we've come a long way from – Oh, you guys are getting this washed up young guy from Vanderbilt whose defense sucked to now interviewing with the Eagles, who have some of the best culture in football and a lot of key pieces returning on that defense. So very, very quick rise up the ladder for Jesse Minter. Yeah, now we've got a couple guys with Sharon Moore and Jesse Minter that are clearly either coordinators at the next level and waiting if Sharon Moore wants to be a head coach in college, he could be that. Minter could probably be a head coach in college. These are for sure sought after coaches. And I just think that that's going to be the way that it is under Jim Harbaugh. And ultimately this is a good thing. Like it sucks to have to say goodbye to coaches sucks when they get poached, but this is what you want. This, this is a success tax. And also we should include a shout out to John Harbaugh, a little chess move here by Jim. John hired Todd Munkin, uh, George's offensive coordinator and the guy really orchestrating that whole offensive attack the last few seasons. So John, Thank you. Great hire. Sneaky, sneaky move. I love that they're just completely in cahoots. I'm completely for it. Yeah, just uh, no, 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 no bones about it. We're working together in this if thing. If my brother was out there or if you were a coordinator, you better believe I'm doing some dastardly things. I'm probably popping some tires of the opponent's cars. Like, I'm going to get weird with it. <laughs> Do you want me to draft this person? Get him out of your, get him out of your league over there? Sure. Well, I'll he's valued it. seventh round. Don't, don't worry about it. I got him in the second. <laughs> got high grades on this guy he has no legs. he's a long snapper with one leg i want him I need him culture guy uh basically basically ben mason <laughs> culture guy uh last thing i wanted to touch on you wrote an awesome article probably top three you've ever written in my opinion the 15 fears article that you put out this was an opus i mean this thing read like war and peace but way more entertaining uh wanted to touch on that because a i just think that everything you said is like if you're a michigan fan and you want to look at what could go wrong last year i think you hit on the most apt points uh the penn state one in happy valley stood out to me as well as the defensive edge rusher. Those two things, in reading that, I was like, man, these are really good points that you're bringing up here. And uh, if you haven't read that, this is just a shout out. You should go read it. Make your life a little bit better than it was before. Man, you you flatter me. Very, very kind words. I appreciate them. And obviously you could tell a lot of this article is inspired by conversations you and I have off air all the time. Like edge rusher, literally you and I were, I was talking to you about writing this and you're like, uh, we got to talk about the Big Ten West being better. I'm like, excellent point. Got to put that in there. So this is kind of like, you know, when I sit around that I think about what I want to read and think about like Michigan football, like existentially and like, oh God, what if this happens? Like a fever dream wakes you up in the middle of the summer for no reason. And your girlfriend just, you know, thinks you're watching too much 2016 tape. I just wrote all that down. That was all I did. Just thinking about all the bad times, what could go wrong. Also embracing the good side of it all. And it was just a fun, very fun thing to write. The, uh, the Andy Bailey existential Wolverine journal. Go tune in if you haven't. It's it's tremendous read. But yeah, I knew some of those jokes in there. Are like he's like a Casey Affleck of players. And I was like, just spot on flawless. That has to be written for me. I love it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think about you. Like I can run through my te- test jokes for Jared. I'm like, if Jared's going to laugh at this, and I think it's going to land. <laughs> at least for me and our very niche group of people that love film, Michigan Wolverines and like Detroit sports and like uh, what else do we love? F1 racing. Brett Bielema rib, rib jokes. Like it's a niche. That, that's where we live. Oh, man.
Very much a subsection of a subsection of a subsection. Very much so. And I'm happy to be there with you, brother. And happy to be here tonight for the defensive portion of our Harbaugh era draft. Let's waste no more time. Both of us rocked in. We didn't even coordinate it. Came in wearing jerseys, just ready to go, knowing that we had to bring our A game. The uh, the offensive draft, if you haven't listened to that, definitely I recommend going back, listening to that for some of the rules here. We had to change up the rules a little bit on the defense. Do you want to go through that uh, that change that we made? Yeah, so this was needed just because the way we broke up the defense, it was into three different position groups. So it was defensive line, which encompasses edge and defensive tackles, linebackers, and defensive backs. And so the way we're going to balance this out is we're after the third pick, a player, Jared or myself, can draft a safety and corner back-to-back. You can't do it three times in a row, but you can do it twice, but they have to be distinctly a safety or a corner. We grouped it as defensive backs just because there's a lot of like question marks in here. We kind of want to litigate on the air and have good conversations about, was Dak still actually a safety or is he more of that hybrid nickel that Mikey Sainer still played this year? Or is Mikey more of the safety and vice versa? So a lot of that's going to be discussed on the podcast, but just wanted to lay down the rules. Again, it's going to be a 20-player draft. We're going to draft five edge players, four defensive tackles, four linebackers, and seven defensive backs. Yes, sir. That was uh, well surmised. And you have the first pick by virtue of not having it last week. I think you may have telegraphed your first pick with the jersey that you're wearing, but maybe not. If you'd like to begin, begin when you're ready. (laughs) The ultimate swerve, you know, I just put this on, but I was really just keeping Lawrence Marshall in my back pocket, baby. Let's go. Matthew Godin minutes here. No, come on. I'm going with Michigan's Heisman finalist, Heisman runner-up 2021, Aiden Hutchinson, single sack record. This is an absolute no-brainer. Most important Michigan Wolverine post-national championship Say all you want. It's going to sound hyperbolic, but it's all going to be true. Most important player of the Harbaugh era, and you're getting him here first. This makes total sense. When we did the coin flip, I knew the two players that we were flipping for, essentially. It was J.J. McCarthy and Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, The reasons being, um, I'm just gesturing to everything that's happened in the last two years. Simply (laughs) just watch the games, and you'll see why those two are the most important. This is a no-brainer number one pick. You could not possibly let him slip to me. This is a great way for you to start out of the gate i am going to go jordan lewis 2000 and now this is an interesting one because i just rewatched 2015 jordan lewis is so freaking good in 2015 i'm gonna go 16 because the all-american season but he missed three games in 16 so you're actually getting a more complete year in 15 but probably a more well-rounded player in 16 you get the wisconsin interception the all-american like i mentioned just a lockdown corner the best cornerback that we've had now that might change but for now jordan lewis No, this is absolutely the right pick. I love just parsing through 15 and 16 because 15, he was, I believe, a consensus second team All-American. And then his senior year was consensus first team All-American. But man, that 15 season, it's one of those years where it feels like if he had 10% more buzz entering the year, then he would have been first team because that's how good he was. I mean, you think of uh, all the pass deflection record. You think of the interception against Northwestern to house it and finish the game. Like he was just fantastic in that role. Um, But I mean, 
2016 Jordan Lewis was locked down. The Jordan interception, everything he did to that season to just eliminate players in such a man-to-man heavy defense. It's even more impressive to me now, knowing what I do about like defensive schemes, especially how Don Brown likes to run them. Jordan Lewis was on an island like nine times out of ten on his own and was shut eliminating people, not shutting them, eliminating them out of just contention for the game. So I don't think that can be slept on. I mean, it can be overstated enough. Channing Shriblin got a lot of opportunity because of it. We'll probably get into that later. But Jordan Lewis, man, excellent, excellent Thank pick. Thank you, Sarah. You're up. All right, coming back to me. I thought you'd go that way. So, you know, I'm going to continue my way on down. I'm going to go with Devin Bush, 2018 number two. Heart of the Revenge Tour, tearing up Michigan State's field before the game. I mean, just everything he meant to that team, what he did, the best linebacker of the Jim Harbaugh era. A missile, I think, I, now I think back, misused at times of how good he was for the team and everything he could do, but he wasn't being tasked to do because that team was just so shut down. Their numbers on that team are baffling because they're all so low because they weren't on the field that much. All the three and outs they forced, every time they got off the field, they just didn't blow it up. But, man, that defense at times, especially during the revenge tour, was just smothering. All all test guy, eye test guy, excuse me. When you go back and watch this, he is the, the ultimate eye test, dude. He pops every single time. Now, part of that is the aesthetic of being a little bit smaller and just moving faster than everyone else in the Big Ten at linebacker. Legitimately, he was the fastest linebacker in the Big Ten for a couple years. And he could do things that nobody else could do. I love your point about how would he be be used in a different defense I think you're, you're right about that we don't talk about that very often maybe slightly underutilized or misused in Don Brown's defense uh, I scripted out how I thought this would go it has gone chalk up to this point and it is going to say con- that is continue going to continue to go chalk is I take without a doubt no question the best defensive tackle of the Jim Harbaugh era I graded out all the seasons let me pull it up here he has three of the top four highest graded defensive tackle seasons that I have out of one person and that is going to be Maurice Hurst you can pick whatever year you want I'll take the consensus all-american year but in 2016 34 tackles 11 and a half for loss four and a half sacks a pass breakup a fumble recovery and a force fumble just a menace on the defensive line and uh, I have elite grades for some players and then I have like on the verge of elite this is the only elite that I gave to a defensive tackle and it's with a bullet Maurice Hurst here I think I'm getting outstanding value with the All-American again like I have the first couple picks scripted out as well and we are still just chugging along right on track I mean this is a no-brainer I wanted to come into this as a contrarian and be like was Mo Hurst that good? Like, I just wanted to push back against the popular opinion. I really hadn't watched a lot of film of his recently, hadn't revisited some of the games. And no, I just came away more impressed. It was like what he did from being able to penetrate, but also still stout against the run. I think at times when he was in college, it was overblown that he was weaker, quote unquote, against the run. No, he was just dominant. And he did it largely undersized and was just so fast. That first step and his swim move were just insanely quick. And everything he did, he just flashes more than any defensive tackle has a right to at the college level. Yeah, for sure. 
ended up being a better college guy. He had the medical issues. I don't know if that ended up impacting his actual play. It certainly impacted his draft stock. A little bit undersized for the pro level, but in college, this guy could just wreak havoc. And a lot of the success of the back end, like there was an interception I just watched from, I think, 2016 season, Minnesota or Northwestern, the Northwestern pick six maybe, where Maurice Hurst came in and just blew the play up. He had to force the throw. Jordan Lewis gets a pick six and returns it. I think that was North. Western, if I'm not mistaken, but Maurice Hurst just caused problems and helped everybody else on that team eat. I've got a big gap between him and the next guy. And that's not that the next guys are bad. This guy was just freaking awesome. Yeah, I, I was very similar when I was doing my rankings. I categorized them as you do, and it was Mo Hurst drop off, and then it gets a little tighter for like two to right. four. But no, man, excellent pick. And you've been a Hurst guy for a long, sure. long yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right, you're up, brother. All right, this one coming back to me now. It's getting, there's a lot of different ways I can go and a lot of different ways to build a team. Like I think about just like throwing like a monkey wrench into certain plans and like trying to go against what you think I'm going to do. I got to keep the Bailey Hive happy, you know, and I don't get there by being normal. But I am going to just do it. I'm going to take the only other Heisman finalist during the Jim Harbaugh era. I'm going to take Jabril Peppers here. There you go. I thought I might be able to steal him from you. Uh, because of a discussion that we had the other day, I was like, "Is he leaning the way I think he's leaning?" I'm I'm going to take him at say I'm at safety. Yeah. Let's let's specify this because you and I both agree. Like, despite the the Big Tens, you know that whatever they want to put him at, I don't care about that agenda. Like, whatever he was nominated, no, he was a safety. He was playing inside the box more often than not. It was just for awards and accolades and attention. But you texted me when you were doing your rewatch, and you're just like. Good God, does he pop off the screen at times? Yeah, and I was never the biggest Peppers guy. And it was mostly just because of like attitude stuff and like the whole like uh that that thing that I do where I raise my hands over my head and I bark like a hyena. That's actually exclusively for people in this fraternity. So please don't do that. It's my fraternity brothers only. We do our stomp and we bark, but you don't get to do it was that. It's the dumbest thing ever. Weird gatekeeping. It is weird gatekeeping, but I was still gonna take him here if you didn't. I think that <laughs> just for sure was gonna take him. That's a great pickup, man. Like having Hutchinson, Bush and Peppers, like you're off to an outlandish start there. Um, All right. That was a little bit of a monkey wrench, but I did plan for this. Um, That means let me go ahead and take not one of the guys that I there's guys I for sure have rated higher that I still have as elite seasons, but there's a drop off here. So I better get Junior Colson 2022 uh, because of the drop off there. Can't let you get Bush and Colson. That would be a devastating linebacker core. And once again, like I said, just this is about the drop off. But Junior Colson, man, if you are designing a linebacker in a lab, it might look something like him. He's the second best by a pretty wide margin. All 14 games at linebacker. And like you were talking about the Roquan Smith thing. I don't know what this defense would have looked like without Junior Colson because of the drop off behind him. Led the team with 101 tackles, six for loss, two sacks. Nothing like crazy about those numbers, but just a stalwart in the middle. I think he's in for a huge season too. No, I, I love this. You and I were talking um, off air, I believe, about how important Junior Colson was this year. And I love that you brought that up. Like, he has a good case for being most valuable in this defense because especially early on as Michael Barrett was getting, you know, his bearings about himself out there, um, we really needed stability at this position. And Colson provided it. He took a, a big step forward as a sophomore. We expect another big one as a junior. 
the rising junior talent on this team is absurd, by the way. It's just, it's ridiculous. And uh, Colson was all over the place. And I think he had your favorite quote of the year for sure, yeah. maybe of your life, when he talked about like seeing the light go out in his opponent's Psychopath eyes. Psychopath behavior. I want him on my team. <laughs> I need this man on my team. So no, tremendous pickup here. All right, coming back to me. Mm-hmm. All right. Go ahead and fortify my other edge. I, this is the season I had second highest graded from the edge, and that's Chase Winovich 2017. Ooh, okay, okay. I like it. I uh, I thought you'd go back to the edge here, and when I gamed this out, I was like, this is how he could really take a hold, because if he goes Bush Peppers, like he forces my hand a little bit. And you do, but I have a, a player rated higher than this. That's a great pickup, man. Like the Hutchinson, Winovich, Ed, all leadership team on your edges right now. Oh, yeah, the heart of the revenge tour, the heart of the most important team of the Harbaugh era. And then I'm going with, like, his 2017 numbers, like the 19 tackles for loss. Like, what are, what are we doing yeah, here? Yeah, the 19 tackles for loss is insane, and that's a great <laughs> pickup there. Got to have that one. Um, okay, can't let you run away with all the defensive ends, so I'm going to take— Oh, although you can't take him next time. Ooh. Ooh, hoo, hoo. So I can get a little bit saucy here, maybe— um, and let me go ahead and get, uh, Ooh, man, this is tough. Now, now better go ahead and give me David Ojabo. Ojabo 2021, baby. I had him graded slightly above of Chase Win- Winovich. It was tough. I went back and forth on this one. Um, and just watching the, uh, the tape is what made me come to the conclusion that Ojabo was a little bit higher. Now, very similar in the sense that both guys were lined up against an absolute game wrecker. Winovich lined up opposite or the opposite end of Rashawn Gary. Ojabo obviously lined up uh, against Hutchinson. I think Ojabo is just able to win with his athleticism and bend, and Winovich wins a lot with effort. And whatever. I mean, he still wins. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves, but I just think Ojabo is probably a slightly better player was just learning the game still. So like what we saw now, granted, I don't get anything that happens next with Ojabo, just like you don't get any of Winovich's NFL accolades. Um, But this is, this is interesting, man, does not have the numbers that stack up with Winovich. I've got them right here. Uh, David Ojabo, six starts at technically outside linebacker, 35 tackles, 12 for loss, 11 sacks, three pass breakups, eight quarterback hurries, and five forced fumbles. I think that's what put him over Winovich for me was the five forced fumbles. Just an impact player here. I can't let you run away with all of them. The only thing that held me back against Ojabo, he was the third on my board, so we're very much splitting hairs. And again, he's an edge rusher. He's not a linebacker. Right. Let's not be stupid. The um, It was just his snap count at times. I think he got out-snapped by Jalen Harrell the last three games of the year. Like, he could just, like, very, very winded, very up and down. I think a lot of his production had to do with playing opposite of Aiden Hutchinson. And not a knock. It's a luxury of anything. So it was very hard to split those two. And I just, I think I leaned Winovich because of A, leadership, and B, just he's always on the field. Sure. But, I mean, that had to be the next edge rusher taken. I was I was waiting for you to bring out your, uh, like, quitty pay stock on me and show it to me, but glad it's not there yeah, yet. You're aware that uh, my stock there, I've sold a little bit off. I've got some of it in case it pops, but uh, we, we've siphoned some of that off to pay for gas. <laughs> All right, coming back to me, uh, I 
I was really worried you were going to go here next. It's the uh, second highest graded corner season I had in mind. It's 2018 David Long. Thought about it. Thought long and hard about it, but uh, I'm going to get a little bit greasy on that one. I like that, though. Um, yeah, the, the PFF numbers with him are insane. No one, no one threw at him because, like, they I mean, granted, it helped having Lavert Hill on the other side who could struggle at times, but no one was going after David Long that season. He was just very locked down, very steady, and just, just, just solid. Like, it's hard to really just like it wasn't flashy. It was just consistent. Like, he was always good in 2018 and really a cornerstone piece of that defense. Yeah, yeah, 100 percent, man. And with the corners, the hierarchy is pretty clear. But when you move over to just defensive backs and you bring in safeties here, that's where things get interesting. So I'm going to go back here and I have four count it four seasons by safeties and like we can get weird with are you a nickel corner are you a safety how many snaps did you line up in safety were you playing a lot of linebacker there's a lot of that with some of these guys at safety over the course of Michigan especially since we've changed defensive coordinators so I'm going to take this guy at defensive back I'm going to take the guy that made the most important play your boy the jersey is on the way 2021 Mikey Sainris still or excuse me 2022 Mikey Sainris still I mean, come on. I mean, what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you need me to say here? I mean, again, the most important play, uh, there was some stupid I, – I, I, I don't want to go off on a rant here, but I have to. Please. There was some stupid-ass stat the other day that was just floating around Twitter that wasn't sourced, and it was like most yards given up by Big Ten receivers. And it had like Mikey as like the fit as five. And I did the math through 14 games. It meant he was only averaging 30 yards given up a game. And I'm like – Hold on, that's the fifth most. How do you factor that in when Michigan runs cover three? Like, how do you know the assignments and the breakdowns? Exactly. Like, how do you, like, no, it was just complete, just complete, like, tell your kids, I'm very sorry, bullshit. It was awful. I just, I got, I got so mad about it. No, he was so impactful, so important. Everything he did to this defense meant something, means something to me. And I love this. Uh, yeah. To like further onto your rant there, that's where you and I really can't buy into the PFF stuff. Cause we're like, there's no way with 130 college football teams, somebody's going through and they know the defensive assignments to know when Mikey Sainer is still out of position. Cause you and I will rewatch a game three times and be like, I think he was supposed to do this. And then we don't, know until we get the board just breakdown so there's no way like these guys are just able to delineate that on one watch through first time and then mark that up so you and i this is all eye test and all vibes like you've got some really great vibes guys need to get one on my team no excellent leader i mean he's my favorite player on the team your favorite player the jersey's on the way Frozone. i love this pick i'm actually going to stay in the defensive backfield i'm going back to safety on this one and I'm going Dax Hill to line up next to Jabril Peppers. That's awesome. The athleticism. I was really close on Hill and Sainer still. Who'd you have higher? I had uh, I had Dax Hill just a little bit higher. I think like I could make an argument. I think if I if you gave me time, I could really like lay it down why I think he's better. But it's like, oh man, Dax was just he had those turn. Uh, it's so tough for me. I'm very back and mm-hmm. forth. It's like one A one B kind of positioning, you know, very close. And we're gonna get into somebody else here soon. Too. Yeah, this is like I value winning a lot. Now Dax Hill also beat. Uh, Ohio State, but Sainer still was on two teams and he's about to do it for a third time. So some of this is hoping for future gains, which isn't part of this draft. Dax Hill's really good and really helps your case here. Uh, I'm also going to stay in the defensive backfield. Give me Will Johnson. I needed to have him on my team. This is why I didn't go David Long. I was going to let you have David Long because whether or not you want to take in future value, 
or not, Will Johnson is going to leave as the best cornerback of the Jim Harbaugh era, full stop. All he needs to do is stay healthy and just continue along his trajectory. And it's not like I'm reaching too much here because look at how good he was in the last like five games of the season. Look at when he had his best performances. Look at the wide receivers that he went up against from Marvin Harrison Jr. to Charlie Jones to what was it? Uh, Quentin Williams. I think I'm uh, the, the Quentin, Johnson, Quentin, Quentin Johnson, Johnson. Quentin yeah, Quentin Johnson. Johnson, that like triumvirate showed me everything that I need to know. I know everything I need to know about Will Johnson. This dude's a lockdown. So I'm taking him here, even if he doesn't have the accolades of some of the other guys. No, this is perfect, man. I see he was the next one on my board at corner, literally just based off what he could be. I love you using Mikey at safety in this. That was a very clever back to back there because you and I both agree. It's like, you can say it's nickel corner, but his, it's just like Dax Hill the year before. So if one's a safety, the other's got to be a safety. So excellent pick. Will Johnson, man, just from everything a PFF said on their unicorns and shroot buck scale <laughs> is like proven accurate by the eye test. So I fully support this one. All right, brother, you are up and then we'll take a break. All right, coming back to me. There's a couple places I can go. I, I need to get on the I need to get on the defensive tackle board. I'm going to my second highest graded defensive tackle, and that is 2015 Willie Henry in the middle. Whoa, that's your second highest graded. Uh, I just rewatched that one, and yeah. he's on my list and forgotten about for sure. You want to explain this one? Willie Henry deceptively had six and a half sacks and 10 tackles for loss from the tackle position on a defense that wasn't very talented and was still figuring itself out. He commanded respect in the middle and really opened things up for Wormley and Charlton. And he's a guy when I watched at times could just take over. And especially like if, if he were on the team now in this more four, two, five with like, sometimes they have that really like more natural nose guy. I think he would destroy people in this. He blew me away. And then like, I looked at the numbers and I was just like, this is confirming it. Like I was just, I wasn't as, I wasn't as, I wasn't like you. I was more offense first than defensive guy. And coming back now, knowing a little bit more ball on both sides of it, he just, he blew me away in some of those games. That is a really, really good pick. I had a couple guys ahead of him, but he is for sure on my list and he pops in 2015. Only reason I had some other guys a little bit lower was consistency and he didn't quite show up in the big games. Like a lot of those sacks are coming either in garbage time, the game's already over, it's the fourth quarter. I think there's like, two or three of them of those six and a half that are like just meaningless. And he was in at garbage time and they, they didn't play him a ton when the game mattered. And when it did, he, he didn't show up, but this is the only negatives I have. Cause he was a dominant and like physically more physically dominant than any other defensive tackle on this list. Like without a doubt. Yeah. Just, a, I mean, a refrigerator of a human being Yeah, for sure, man. All right. I better go ahead and also get back on the line with my last pick before the break. And I'm going to take 2016 taco Charlton, baby. This, this is so hard. Like after Ojabo Winovich, there is a bunch of guys here. So like, I don't know that the drop off here is that big, but this is a forgotten guy had his best game against Ohio state, nine tackles, two and a half sacks, three tackles for loss in a game that we won. I mean, I don't care what the record books say. We won that game. All first team, big 10 led the team and was 14th nationally with nine and a half sacks. The 10th best single season mark at uh, Michigan had a career best, 43 tackles, 13 for loss and nine and a half sacks, as I mentioned, two pass breakups. He's big. He's athletic. He got better as the season went along, played his best games against best opponents. That's what I like in my edge rusher. Him and Ojabo, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that as my edge rushers. 
I love that he was the next one on my board. He was the fourth one down. Uh, there definitely there was a gap for me between uh, Ojabo and Charlton where I had things, but it's not as significant as you think, especially when you understood that Taco Charlton theoretically could have had ten sacks alone in the Rutgers game, <laughs> but they just pulled him out of mercy and sympathy. And yeah, man, he just his bend and everything he did at that size. I mean, he like came into the season with a little bit of draft buzz and then exploded into being a first rounder and just man, what a force on the outside he was that season. Yeah, I think Willie Henry and Charlton are both a little bit too forgotten for my liking just because of the way the season yeah. ended. Both of those guys were dominant, dominant. So I really like the picks in round seven. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will continue on with this draft and nothing else. We are dialed in, baby. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Support for this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Breaking news, people. Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpets by going to manscaped.com and using the code MNB20 for 20% off and free shipping. Look, I'm a man that knows the importance of a beard. The beard ties the face together like a good rug ties a room together. It's the unifying bridge between chin and scalp. I've yet to see a man's face made worse with a strong beard in my lifetime. It's the only facial hair that will never go out of style. It's time to tame your mane because no one likes a weird beard. So say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscaped Pro Beard Kit. All starts with the Beard Hedger. Thing is a beast of fixing faces. First off, the cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in the sink. The titanium-coated T-blade is tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Pro Kit doesn't end there, though. They have created four dermatologist-tested formulations for your post-trim care. There's the beard shampoo and conditioner. You need to remember all your hair is different. Your beard hair is more coarse, easier to damage than your hair on your head. That's why this kit has made shampoo and conditioner specifically designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, replete those natural oils and promote beard health next the kit has manscaped beard oil an essential piece for your main facial accessory no one wants a beard who's brittle and dry the oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath while adding a little shimmer and shine making you look extra fine cap off the kit with the beard balm pomade shape style moisturize tame your sculpted look 
Pro Beard Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code MNB20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code MNB20. Manscaped Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. All right, we are back, baby. The uh, plates are laid bare. The teeth are dripping. There is a glistening on our face from the sweat of the draft, and we are going to continue with this thing. Last picks were uh, Willie Henry for you, Taco Charlton for me. Andy, you are on the pick with pick number eight, sir. So this is easy for me because it's the highest graded overall player I have. I didn't even look positionally here. And that is, uh, in my opinion, the best safety of the Harbaugh era, Rod Moore. I wrote it in already. I was like, I know where he's going. Let's see if I am right. See if I know my boy. I know my boy. The only reason I waited for him to take him as like my third safety on this team is just because, you know, public perception there may may not be as aware yet that Rod Moore is this good. He's well on his way, but like all the numbers are coming in. He's being backed up by first round grades next year. PFF loves him again. They gave him like five leprechauns out of 10 stars. And he's all over the place, but he passes the eye test. He's incredible. And he picked this all up from being the number 506 rated player in the country. Came in, worked his way up, grinding tape, literally grinding tape. Earned his way onto the field, usurped RJ Moten, Makari Page, Jordan Morant on the way into it. And he's just dominant. He's just a very good safety, and he's as good in pass coverage as run coverage. This is a great pick. It's exactly where I expected you to go. I think you maybe sent me some uh, misinformation during the week where you were like, Rod Moore, best safety of the Jim Harbaugh era, full stop. And I was like, is he is he going to take him first safety overall? You did not. You took two ahead of him. You literally texted me he's better than Dax Hill. People that think Dax Hill is better are wrong. And then there you go. He is. I'm just pandering to the voters. Pandering. Though sir all right well that's some good misinformation you'd make a fine spy this is yeah this is spycraft um this is winter soldier type espionage i have against you going deep on the next draft i'm going to be sending mail to your house to try to throw you off the scent (laughs) oh man that's a great pick uh better go ahead and give me mozzie smith then the guy that i had above willie henry uh that'll fill out my other defensive tackle spot i think i got the the best two, but the Willie Henry one's a super interesting pick. So I'm going to take Mozzie Smith from last year. The numbers were okay, but you got a little, you got to dig a little bit deeper. We called him the menace. You called him the catalyst of chaos for a reason. It was only 36 tackles, six assists, 30 stops, but he had 23 total pressure, 17 QB hurries, but he just drew double teams. You could not leave him one-on-one. This is one that's not a great eye test one because you're not going to see him pop just on a standard watch. So you got to dig a little bit deeper watch it with a microscope and you'll see that mozzie smith was doing a ton last year was the the best defensive lineman on that line last year without a doubt i mean better than mike morris better than jalen harrell um you know i love mason graham but uh he's just not quite at the level mozzie smith is at yet so give me mozzie this is great man this is a perfect eye test over stats test because like you said you have to watch to really understand his impact and although it could be inconsistent at times like when mozzie smith was really on and drawing the attention he deserved it was like a gravitational pull 
to the center of the field. And it really covered up a lot of sins on the edges and helped out like these like group of average or below average pass rushers and helped create some like cases there. And like his, his sack numbers are very weak for his career, but that's just not the player he ever was. Like he was just always going to be very stout against the run, a very good gap filler. And no, he was the third highest uh, defensive tackle I had. So you and I are pretty lockstep as well. All right, sir, you are up. Man, this one is is really tough, and I'm gonna vamp for a second because I need I I got, I got to look at these stats because both they tied for me in my rankings on the eye test, and it's like I just need need something to push me over the top here, and so what I'm who I'm delineating between here is 2019 Ambry Thomas and 2021 DJ Turner. Mm. And it's very, very back and forth. Ambry Thomas was excellent that year with three interceptions, three tackles for loss, a couple pass deflections. DJ Turner in 2021 had two picks, one tackle for loss, seven pass deflections. And if you can go last year, he had 10 pass deflections, surprisingly. But I think I'm going to go with 2021 DJ Turner because he was an outstanding tackler. He was a much better tackler than Ambry Thomas. Wasn't as fast, but I mean, actually... They say he's faster, but it never popped. Did it pop for Didn't, you, DJ Turner? Every Thomas popped, and DJ's did not pop yeah. in a way. Like so, just the eye test. No, that's that's what I was saying because I saw we saw them both in person a bunch. But um, DJ Turner was so good in coverage in 2021, and what he did in the Ohio State game that year against Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jigbo was. I mean, might be his magnum opus. He was so good in that game. So go ahead and give me DJ Turner here for my second corner. Really good pick. I have these two listed and I have like a little dash in between them because I couldn't separate. I I really struggled (laughs) to find separation here. Ambry Thomas in 2019, 30% completion rate, which is really, really good. Uh, The uh, the, I think David Long led the all time Michigan record is 29%. That's the lowest in Big Ten since 2014, and Ambry Thomas right behind him. But DJ Turner has the wins, and you and I, when things are really close, I think we both value the wins. Yep, and that the big that moment going against that receiving core, like with everything on the line. I mean, just always give me that moment. I'm with you, brother. Uh, you are you're not running away with things, but I'm looking at uh, you, you've got a really a really good team for the public perception. I think that the public's going to take kindly to your team. So if I'm already losing this thing, I better get my boy on my team. Better go ahead and give me 2019. Actually, no. To hell with it. If I'm just doing it, give me 2017, Khalid Hudson. Give me the absolute Viper menace, the dude that was in the backfield just every single play. I just recently rewatched the Minnesota game from 2017. Maybe one of the all-time most enjoyable games that you could rewatch. Cleek Hudson was everywhere. Played in all 13 teams, 13 starts at Viper, 83 tackles, 18 and a half tackles for loss. Two interceptions, and uh, yeah, was just all over the place. Maybe another guy that was misused, although maybe Viper was the right place for him, and like he was born to be that. So whether or not I have a Viper on my team, this guy can play linebacker for sure, and this was a weird one. So if you want to have this debate about is he a linebacker or not, we can have that. I think you and I are in agreement here. He's a, You're picking him as a linebacker, correct? correct. I am, yeah. That's no, this makes the most sense because like, this is where like, you kind of got to talk these things out because unlike Mikey and Dax playing the same position in the same scheme, Jabril and uh, Kalik Hudson are two completely different players and two completely different skill sets. And Brown just kind of like tried to force them into being something they always, not all the time were. And Kalik Hudson was way more cut out for this role than anybody else that played it 
un- under Don Brown. You know, he was outstanding. I was at that Minnesota game, which also featured two 100-yard rushers for Michigan and uh, Chris uh, Chris Evans and Karan Higdon. So an ultimate, ultimate fun game to be at. No, man, I mean, is that the, was it the NCAA yeah. record or the Michigan record for most TFLs in a I game? I think he tied the NCAA and set the Michigan, if I'm not mistaken, by that. Yeah, like, I mean, you can't, I mean, you just can't, like, overlook that. Like, that's that's a very significant moment. No, I, I love that pick. You, you're higher on Kalik than I am personally, but he's not very far down my board from where you took where you. Took yeah, him. and, like, there's eye test elements, there's stats elements, there's the fact that, like, maybe he was mischaracterized playing in that Viper role, and maybe he would have been better as just a pure linebacker. I don't know, but just all-time fun guy to watch. And when we were looking at this and trying to determine what is he actually, was recruited as a linebacker was listed as a linebacker his entire time at Michigan is still currently listed as a linebacker in the NFL like you've got to try to make an argument for him as a safety more so than I think you have to make an argument for him as a linebacker seems to me like a linebacker just feels like a linebacker no this is uh, absolutely it's one of those it's eye test you can just see how it feels get it no I I love this. I hate that like that group and their last game was the 2019 mm-hmm. game because they just deserve so much better in the end of the, for the like culmination of their careers. Okay, coming back to me here, um, oh, there, there's a few golden players left. That's what I call them because I have them highlighted in gold on Excel. <laughs> a few players left for me. I really value their seasons and what they did. And this one guy is is tough because. Excuse me, played two different positions, but I'm going to pick the ones he played under Jim Harbaugh. Give me Chris Wormley on the mm, edge. Love that. Love Chris Wormley. 20, give me give me 2015 Wormley. Okay. Couldn't go wrong, 15 or 16. He's just uh, in in 15, he was just a little bit more explosive. Um and in 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 16, you could just say he was a rock of a like a mountain of a man that just literally clogged up one side of the field, especially in stopping the run and let Taco Charlton eat. But in 15, I thought you got the best of both, where he could really shut down the run his first year on the edge, really excelled at taking down the passer. Man, that the the 15 defense is so interesting to me. Like we need to do a deep dive on them like we did 2017 yes. last year with the pieces yes. they had. Are they in the right places and different stuff like that? Because watching it, that team was just so much fun, so full of life and like just what it meant with the first Harbaugh team bringing everything back. And I think Chris Wormley had a lot to do with that. He was a big buy-in to Jim Harbaugh guy and a good leader on the team. Uh, Count me in for the what could have been 2015 defense podcast because that defense was loaded. They're fun to watch. You got stars at every level. You got guys that you feel like could have been more like Willie Henry and and, uh, yeah, and Wormley and Charlton. Like what would they look like if they had four years of Harbaugh? So it's a fascinating defense. I really like that pick all character guy he's from Toledo I I just like the dude I I like everything about him I like the way he plays I like the way he leads out there you got a ton of leadership on your team Uh, but you go better go ahead and give me since you're going all leadership I better get some TFLs in there so go ahead and give me Josh Uche Oh, I I had Uche, Wormley and another guy really, really closely rated. But give me 11 and a half tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks. He he led the team in both categories in 2019. So I'm just trying to stack up some some guys that can get after the quarterback that can can get into the backfield. I think Uche, Ojabo and uh, and Charlton, I've got some real athletes out there and I can bring in either Uche or Ojabo in situationally. One of them's going to have to play every down and I think you've got the better every down defensive ends right now but I like Uche a lot 
this, I, dude, thank you for being you. This is so on brand. Like, this is so perfectly you. Like, you stood, I mean, you were fighting and banging the drum for Josh Uche since the day he got on campus. And, like, this is another player I think was massively underused at times. And, like, early on in his career, like, he and Rashawn Gary, like, you know, Gary did a lot, and you and I stand up for him. Uche was better. Like, just flat out was, but was not getting the starting time with him. And I think it was a big misstep and a misutilization of the talents this team had and how much better they could have been at times. But no, I love this Josh Uche pick probably in the, I mean, top tier of players I'm most afraid of or played like so mean and violent. I wanted no part of like crossing Josh Uche. Yeah. And like, we're not taking anything that they're doing in the NFL, but both he and Gary are clearly showing that they were better than what they were at Michigan. So like, I'm just going to take the guy that was better at Michigan and looks like he can be an absolute monster in the NFL. So I want him on my team. I I love that. That is, that is so your boy. (laughs) Okay. I am going I am going back to the linebackers here. And you brought up an interesting point earlier when you drafted Mikey Sainer still talking about how he made the play of the year against Ohio State with that pass deflection. I'm going with a guy who's like play of the year really gets just overlooked for its importance. In 2021, Ohio State has the ball coming out of half trailing by a score. They come down here and are up by a point. I believe it was 14, 13, was they, were they up or were we 14, 13, one way or the other. But they have the ball. And it's, it's trending down if they score here. They get a first couple runs. They get up close to the first down. And then Josh Ross shoots the gap and blows the game open. Like, that changed everything. Only three players in the Harbaugh era had 100 tackles in a season. Junior Colson, Khalid Hudson, Josh Ross. Give me Josh Ross. Love, love, love that pick. I had Josh Ross next on my board as well. You can debate between him and Kalik Hudson. Uh, I think Kalik Hudson brings you the stats as a little bit faster and like it's just as big as Josh Ross, but you hit the key point there. Big play, big moment. Senior leader out there was really good. Like you're not going to be look back at Josh Ross and like tell your grandkids about him in 35 years but really solid, like just a good linebacker. You'd certainly take him on this team. Would he start next year if he came back to this team? That's an interesting question. Oh, that's all I get. I think so. Depends about Ernest Hausman. I think that's really the kind of the wild card here, but definitely would be such, I mean, he would have been massive this season because he took a huge step from 2020 to 2021 and what he brought just from like an instinctual standpoint. And I think probably my favorite trait of his, his senior year was if he made a mistake, he never made the same mistake twice. Like he always learned from it and got better. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Let me take the last safety I have. I do not have an elite grade on him, but I have him a step or a a level above the next safeties. And that's going to be Josh Metellus. All the elite guys are off the board, but Josh Metellus was really, really solid. Solid. Never made that leap to being what we thought he would be. I think we thought he was going to be an elite safety, but is in that really, really good level. Like didn't make a lot of glaring mistakes. There was sometimes you and I lamented his effort, but the talent was always there. And when you needed it, like he had some big plays, he had a couple uh, game enders. So I really like that, that like when the moment was big, Josh Metellus didn't shrink. So I'll take him here. Well, like, are, are you, like, it's he's so frustrating because, like, in 2018, he was this ball hawking guy, could do a bunch of stuff. And then in 2019, he became this run stopping force that would give up the big play. Like, he could just never put everything together. Mm-hmm. It was always one or the other. But man, when he flashed, like, I think of, uh, the pick six against SMU right before the half, the momentum it brought. He was always such a threat with the ball in his hands. And again, this is a sneaky good leadership pick because as we know, now he's a team captain of the Minnesota Vikings. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. I'm going to take revenge tour Metellus. 
smart pick. I mean, you and I, again, we value the team, the winning and stuff above all else. For sure. Okay. Coming back to me, I just went Josh Ross. Um, this is where it gets really interesting running out of the, you know, elite level guys you and I have graded. Uh, I have to fill out my uh, defensive tackle position. I need to get my one more. I'm going to get me 2016 Ryan Glasgow. Nice. I had him rated really, really high. Forgotten about guy. Yes, very. Un- I mean, I, I forget about him. I forget about both Glasgow's because I'm a bad American. Like I went back and watched and I was like, God, who is who's the white guy in the middle here? And it's like, oh, it's Ryan Glasgow. Of course it is. I mean, there's been a million of them come through Ann Arbor. It's hard to forget the family, but it's like you forget them individually all the time. Yeah, 100 percent. And he pops. He looks really good on rewatch. Like you could make an argument. He should be above Mozzie Smith. Like I'm not going to laugh you out of the room with that argument. Like yeah, it, it's no, you're going to listen to that. He's in that realm, though, of where at times like he could take over games, but also at times, you know, just kind of forget he's there, but also played next to Mo Hurst. So it's easy to get overshadowed. All right. Uh, tell me if this is the guy that you said a sneaky linebacker pick that I might not think about. Give me Mike McCray. This is so good. Mike McCray. Like, this is like the, like, honestly, like Mike McCray was good. Like I, I tell why he, he was a solid player. This is the ultimate deceiving stats guy. Like, would you look at his numbers? Blows you. I'm gonna let you. Yeah, cook. dude, it makes no sense. And this is one you and I obviously eye test guys here. So like, I'm big eye test guy. I'm going with that first and foremost. But then you scroll through his stats and you're like, I'm sorry, whom is this? And he did what? <laughs> he had 76 tackles, 12 and a half for loss, four and a half sacks, two interceptions, and he broke up nine passes. Like what? Nine passes defensed in a season? Like he's big. He does not really flash whatsoever when you watch these. Like there's a guy on that team that flashes slightly more, but the stats at some point paint a pretty clear picture of how important he was. So I'm getting some leadership as well. And like when you stack all these guys that got into the backfield, like I have a lot of guys that are getting tackles for loss. I don't know if it's going to be enough to sway the voters, but he could get after it that year, man. God, I mean, either one you go with, like 16 or 17, McCray is so good. I think you go 16, 16 just because he had two two interceptions yeah. in there, just, just for fun. That was the year that I read off was the nine passes defensed and two interceptions. Like, what are we doing here? Nine? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And then next year, you know, he follows it up with 16 TFLs in a year, just as a little encore Insane. for you. That is, again, like the, he's like the antithesis of us because like, defies the eye test by his how good his stats are but like man you got to recognize it at a certain point you can't just that's where i was at all right coming back to me looking over my board here got to fill out a few more positions go back linebacker i let me see (laughs) this is when it gets tough you and i were talking about this off air like when you start like parsing through the the middle guys here is when it gets really interesting Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take uh, Ambry Thomas, 2019. Come back to the West. Nice. Heck yeah, I really like him as well. And he really suffered from the teams he was on. Like, just won't be remembered because 19 and 20 and, like, even 18, he wasn't really the player that he was in 2019, like, was on the field a lot more. So, for sure forgotten, but of the athletes that we've talked about, like, only behind Will Johnson as far as athletes maybe? It's at the corner position, and he was nuts. I, I went to that Minnesota game, as I told you, but that was also the same game when I texted you, and I was like, Ambry Thomas is the fastest human on the planet. Maybe I exaggerated just a little bit, but not much. 
Yeah, no, you you weren't uh, out of control with that one. Um, yeah, good pick there, man. Good pick on Ambry Thomas. Let me go ahead and get that one written down. All right. Well, I better go ahead and get the last respectable cornerback out there. This one hurts. I wish I could take him. I wish I could take him dead last because uh, this is just not our boy. But this is another one where the stats really tell a different story than the eye test. Give me Channing Stribling across from Jordan Lewis. Really was able to eat, still has the most interceptions of a Harbaugh era cornerback. You and I fully believe that's because he was across from just an all world guy in Jordan Lewis. And to his credit, he made those plays when those plays needed to be made. But uh, if somebody needed to be tackled, he was probably calling in sick. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. You and I have had so much fun at Shriblings and Fitch. He seems like a great guy. Like, in coverage, very serviceable. But he's just like Kool-Aid Greedy Williams, where, like, he only does one thing of his two jobs really well. Second part, he's not coming in that day. He's not coming in for tackling drills. You kidding me? Come up and run support? Not, not in this climate. <laughs> in this economy? No, I don't think so. Uh, speaking of the economy, I think it's time for you to get yourself a homefieldapparel.com shirt want to take a moment to talk about our sponsor they're back baby home field apparel if you don't know and you've been living under a rock premium collegiate apparel brand out of indianapolis the stuff is comfortable but it's officially licensed so you're not out there just wearing elite illegal gear don't screw around when it comes to design the home field team studies the history traditions legacy of every school and with that information they create thoughtful designs that tell the unique story of each university home field has some brand new michigan designs that you will not find anywhere else from t-shirts to hoodies and crewnecks, they have it all. So you can proudly represent the maize and blue wherever you are. So if you want some brand new, good-looking Michigan swag, and I'm assuming you do, head over to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code MICHIGAN15, that's MICHIGAN15, for 15% off your first order. That's not just for one item. That's your entire order. So stock up while you have this. Again, 15% off using the promo code MICHIGAN15 at homefieldapparel.com. Com. All right, Sarah, we are officially in the part of the draft where things are getting wonky. I just took Mike McRae and Channing Stribling back to back, so it's getting weird. <laughs> it has been getting weird, man. It's really clouding up across several different positions here, and uh, yeah, it's uh, days are getting dark, you know, nights are earlier. It's that time of the year. Uh, all right, I'm just going to stick to my my tried and true just overall rankings here. I'm not really going to go positionally. Like, you just got to – we got to fill these babies out. So, I'm going to go with 2016 Ben Gideon at linebacker. There he is, Ben Gideon. Uh, tremendous last name. Um, does not pop. Not an eye test guy. What's your, what are your thoughts on Gideon here? Where would you have him ranked overall? Do you have him above McCray? No, I had him. I had him just below. Actually, they were like kind of like very similar yeah. players, but I gave the edge to McCray just because the stats were just a little bit better. But Ben Gideon is just a guy like, I mean, super productive. His final year at Michigan: ninety-four total tackles, fifteen tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, two passes defense. Linebackers really defending the pass well in the twenty sixteen team. But yeah, man, very, very similar players. But I had McCray just a little bit above because the production was just a slight uptick better. But again, Ben Gideon's a very solid guy out there. You forget he's out there at times. Like when you're thinking of the 2016 defense, how far down do you get till you start naming the linebackers? But that duo was super productive. Yeah.
Yeah, they were and like not athletic. And there were teams that could take advantage no. of that. But they put up numbers, man. And yeah, randomly, just a really good linebacker core at batting down <laughs> passes like that is not something that I noticed on watch, even rewatching it just recently. Like it's not popping. No, 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 not at all. Like you go back and check it out. And it's like, wait, they're, they're bat, they batted down passes. I don't believe it. There's no tape. Right. This. What are we talking about here? All right. Uh, for me, better go ahead and give me Rashawn Gary. 20 is my next one on my board. I thought you would take him here. You've uh, you've kind of been running away with like the, the really talented guys that I know get a lot of votes. Uh, Rashawn Gary, probably not as much as like Dax Hill is going to get you vote wise. Uh, because Rashawn Gary's a little bit of like a disputed topic amongst, amongst Michigan fans. You and I were defenders, though. Like we were there, we were podcasting during this because he was getting a lot of vitriol and we're like, guys, now hold on. This guy's really good. He's getting double teamed, sometimes triple teamed. You'd still want to see those stats start to rise, especially once Winovich started to catch on and he wasn't being like triple teamed. He was still being double teamed a lot or at least getting you're getting a chip on him and then directing him to the tackle. But he still did a lot for that team, man. And like when you talk to the players about his impact, they talk about him like he was some type of god. So give me Rashawn Gary. Twenty seventeen. Yeah, seventeen. I got the stats here for twenty seventeen. They're not going to blow you away. It was fifty eight tackles, eleven and a half for loss, five and a half sacks. So nothing crazy, but I think his production and what he actually did is worth more than those stats. And especially in 18, he was banged up a little bit. But you and I were always defenders, man. Like, like he just, at Michigan, like, I don't think he got the player development he needed at the time. But he was just never going to be the guy people kind of, uh, like, prematurely labeled him to be. Like, they thought he was just going to be just this, like, next coming of a pass rusher on the outside. Just, for like, ferocious kind of guy. And he just wasn't that yet. He was, like, still growing up. He was a very, like... I say I want to say immature, but I don't mean it in a bad mm-hmm. way. He wasn't like you know shooting paintball guns at cheerleaders outside <laughs> of Schimbeck or like he was just growing up. He was very much a kid, and you've really seen him take strides in the NFL, like to actualize his potential. So, and of course, I think he had to be the next guy taken in our. I draft. mean, the fact that he went after McCray, Stribling, and Gideon like doesn't look good on its surface, but this is this is a draft. You got to build out a team here. You got to build out a team here. Okay, coming back to me, I I need to do it before you come in there and get him. I'm going to take your boy, 2022 Mason Graham. Ah, really good pick. It was I was looking at the board, looking at who's left, and it's like you got to get while the getting's good. And, you know, in 2022, he was very, very serviceable, but compared to, like, other guys, like how much better he got throughout the year, it's – it's hard to find freshman defensive tackles like this good and this like season, the way he came in. So got, got to take Mason here, man. He could be, that could be a Jersey next it year. Very well could be. Here's where it like looks a little inconsistent. Cause I took Will Johnson really high, but Mason Graham, I let sit. That has nothing to do with what I think Mason Graham can be and everything to do with some of the drop off you see in coverage cornerbacks. Whereas like there's a couple other guys, like you probably still wouldn't put Mason Graham ahead of Ryan Glasgow or Mozzie Smith, right? Like that, that that's no. just no, 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 not yet. Right. Not but yet. you could theoretically, and it wouldn't really be that theoretical, make an argument that Will Johnson's better than Ambry Thomas, better than Channing Stribling, better than DJ Turner with just one season of tape. Like, I think you can make that argument a little easier. 
I'm honestly right there with you. Like, I, I want to disagree and give you some pushback just for the sake of the conversation. But, no, I mean, Will Johnson's last test of the year, the last three games, like he just rose up to it, especially the Marvin Harrison Jr. tape, is just going to blow you away with what he was able to do. Mason Graham at times could still get lost in the flow because that position, you're dealing with a lot more bodies, harder to really view some of the nuance if he is at that level. But he's good enough to still get drafted after very limited freshman tape. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't get him with my next pick, but I was on him so that's a really good one all right now i'm almost off the board now like we're getting we're getting deep on this um boy you better go ahead and give me yeesh oh man this is tough especially since i can't go back to back there's not really a cornerback that jumps. I'm just vamping for time here at this point. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> off my board on a couple of these. I went eight deep, but sometimes you need to go more than eight deep. Apparently, um, you better go ahead and give me, man, brother. I'm struggling here. Um, you want to talk? You want to talk one out? Well, yeah, yeah, we can. I'm looking at linebackers and I'm looking at safeties. And I'm looking at corners, but I already have three cornerbacks. I don't really think there's a need to take a cornerback. There's not really a need to take a safety when I have the starting safety. So anybody you're taking here is just for depth. So go ahead and give me James Ross, Josh Ross's brother. Go a little bit further back, played on the 15 team, was really serviceable, put up some solid numbers. Uh, He's just going to be a depth guy for me at this point. Um, so I don't necessarily need him to come in and do too much. He'll split times time with Mike McCray for me. So I'll take James Ross, the other Ross brother. Interesting. I like that one. I had him below one other person on this board, but I really like the value you're still getting with James Ross because James Ross is an immensely likable person. And it's like, I mean, got Josh Ross takes away from the same family. So you're bringing another leadership quality to your team and just a very serviceable, but in that same era of the 15, 16, super forgettable linebacker. Yeah. I'm interested to see who you had above him. I have one other name listed, but yeah, be interested to see. I'm, I'm going to keep that one back pocketed for right now, but I got to come back. Um, I Give me, give me, oh, damn it. I screwed myself on this mm-hmm. one. This was bad drafting. I made, I've already made three you, mistakes, brother. So it happens. Yeah. Cause you couldn't have come back. Oh, that one's going to haunt me. Um, okay. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to the secondary here. And there's, there's several names I'm weighing in the secondary. And it's like, do you think about like 2018 Lavert Hill? You think about uh, here's the 19 Levert Hill is so rough. 19 Levert Hill is a little rough. rough. Um, you think about uh, leading tackler of the 2017 team, Tyree Cannell. I look. I looked at Tyree Cannell. That was one of my forgotten guys. That's a very overlooked one. Do you think about Delano Hill from the 2016 team? It's another forgotten guy. And like I have these guys on a, the exact same level. You're you're touching on a lot of yeah. Names, it's like so. it's it's those. Um, but man. I just, I really value the last game so much. I'm going to go 2021 Brad Hawkins as my final safety position. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I had him on that list. Uh, do you have him above Metellus? Uh, no, Metellus is above I had, Yeah, I had it the same way. Good pick. It's it, our, our boards yeah, are, are very similar. My safeties I had ranked as Rod Moore, Jabril, Dax Hill, Josh Metellus, Brad Hawkins. Yep, pretty similar. I, I think I had it slightly. Let me see my safeties. I'll pull it up here. I had Mike Sainer still because we were uh, considering him a safety. I had him at one. I had Jabril two, Peppers, then Rod Moore. 
but those are kind of interchangeable. <laughs> it's it, you're splitting hairs. At the top of it is when you told me you had four safeties like graded out elite. I'm like, I know exactly who they yeah. are. If we're counting Mikey as one, because like I named the three off top, and I'm like. Okay, he's counting Sanders still. Yep, 100%. And I took him first because I knew you wanted him. And uh, I think we both value the same things. Like, how did you close? How did you play in the best uh, or in the biggest game of the year? You know, stuff like that. Yep. Co-led the team with tackles against Ohio State along with Rod Moore. The leadership, the stability, how many snaps he had. I think he had over like 38 starts right. as well. So like very consistent force. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I will take 18 Lavert Hill. He was all big 10 first team playing across from David long, a little bit of chanting stribbling effect. Now that we looked at it uh, and you can look at it with the benefit of hindsight that maybe he was benefiting from a really good team around him in 18, a lot of other good defenders on that team, but the PFF numbers were insane. Like nobody was completing passes on him and David long. How much of that was long, how much of that was Hill up for debate, but Hill still had had a great season if I'm just getting him here for 18 season and we can forget about everything after that I'll take Levert Hill 18. This is great that there's a reason that was the first name I went over when I was vamping there for a second it's because Levert Hill in that year is just you forget it because the ending was so bad it's like watching a good movie that just completely derails in the third act it's like oh god but it's like early on it's very solid and in 2018, you and I were like talking very highly of him. I believe there was a mock draft, had him as a first round pick entering 2019. And we were like all aboard, but then the wheels came off, got exposed to certain things. Still helps out with the teams floating around NFL practice squad. So Lavert Hill, man, like that 2018 season, I really don't want it to be forgotten from what he right. brought. With the 16th pick, that's pretty solid value, I would suppose. Yeah. The next one... Um, I, I had I had to do it. I just I can't let him sit on the board anymore after certain people have been selected. Give me 2019 Quitty Pay. <laughs> not your boy. And in fact, he is not my boy. But it's like all all the talent in the world didn't always bring it together. Uh, the 2019 season, he had 50 tackles, 12 and a half for loss, six and a half sacks. Very very good, but just not like the public loved him and hated Rashawn Gary, and I could never understand why. Like it just didn't make sense. I mean, didn't make sense to me. I was like completely the opposite, but like still a, a very good player. And at times he would flash, but too often than not, I forgot he was on the field. Yeah, I still don't understand Quiddy Pay over Rashawn Gary. Like you and I did not see it. And this is not a knock on Quiddy Pay. Seems like an extremely no. likable guy, like all likable team. So I don't want to sit here and, and shit on him for no good reason. But you and I just wanted more for where his draft stock was, and his draft stock maintained that entire year. And like we're just like really like I don't I don't quite see it I mean I, he's big and he's fast and he moves pretty quick but like all of this was based around like look at his four cone shuttle time and we're like all right well we watched the games so <laughs> that's literally what it was. and like again he had a very explosive first season struggled a little more in his second year but it's just like very all athlete type of draft position guy and I just I don't know it, it never quite got there for me again super likable easy person to root for in all of this scenario like I hate to like feel like we're making like just downing this one nice guy on the team like how dare you people support him this kid but yeah gotta gotta take him here the slander's gone far enough for right us. yeah he's still very talented uh here's another guy not either one of our boys definitely should have stuck around for one more season but the defensive tackle depth drops off I'll take 2021 Chris Hinton he did beat Ohio State and uh that's about all I got <laughs> these uh these last couple picks man like Hinton I, ha I have one guy above him 
and it's 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 strictly an, uh, a bias yeah. thing. Like they're pro- they're actually on the same level, but it's just like okay, Hinton. Yeah, he beat Ohio State. He was very good. He could have benefited. He actually got on an NFL roster and stuck. Just did it the hard way and cost himself a lot of money. But you know, kudos to him. He bet on himself. Yeah, and there's that. There's that. All right. Uh, I need. I can't go defensive tackle, so I got to fill out my linebacker core. And I'm going with a, another Lavert Hill esque player that had flashes at times and then just completely fell off the map and into obscurity. And that is Cameron McGrone at linebacker. Really good one. Really good one. 2019 Cam McGrone. Yeah, and that's probably a better pick than James Ross. I actually forgot about Cam McGrone. Like, I'm the producers <laughs> of Game of Thrones. Just totally forgot about a person. 2019 season <laughs> is a rough rewatch. Like, when I'm getting through I'm getting through it all right now. Like, I just don't enjoy the 2019 team as much. And I, I don't know what that was. Just vibes were off. But McGrone was bad vibes. Bad vibes, but McGrone was awesome. That's, that's a good pick. Honestly, I, I messed up taking Ross above him. It's he's just one of those guys, man. Like like that that season was so bad. He'd have moments like at first he started to pop a little bit, just like we'd hear about it in practice, and then like he he got kind of thrust into the starting role in nineteen, and we're like, who is this guy? Like at times he was awesome, but then at times that defense would just get bulldozed by Jonathan Taylor in Wisconsin. So it's hard to find too much there. But it's like when he was really on, man, he could have benefited from coming back for the 2021 team. Most definitely, yeah. Like he and I mean Quiddy Pay was out of eligibility, but still still needed some more time. But a couple of these guys, McGrone and Hinton, the last two drafted are like all what if team, you know, if they would have come back one yep. more time. Uh, better go ahead and give me at safety Tyree Cannell. I'm glad you brought him up. He does pop in a rewatch. Not yes. the biggest, not the fastest, not the most athletic in the right place a lot of time. Um, I don't have his stats in front of me, but I think you said he was the leading tackler. 2017, yeah. Cannell was a yeah. yeah, he was the leading tackler that year. And leading tackler with Khalee Hudson on the team and Khalee Hudson doing what he did that season. Like, very impressive. You and I stand for the 17 defense. That team did everything they freaking could to stay in these in these games and it's weird how we view the 19 and the 17 teams when the record in 17 is worse I, Jared, I'm sorry. I misinformed you. He was the leading tackler on the revenge tour ah, team. My mistake. Yeah. So I will take 18. That's maybe even more impressive. Yeah, like he, I mean, the year 17, he had more interceptions. He had a touchdown and and like one more sack and a tackle for loss. But like leading the revenge tour team in defense, I think that's you and I value winning above all. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we didn't win the, the biggest games of that year, but 2018, let's not forget the revenge tour. All right. Coming back to me, I need, we both need an edge and a tackle. And I am going to go with um, 2022 Mike Morris, unfortunately. Yep. Have him on my list as well. It uh, it gets it drops off a cliff here. I, I, I kind of want to go with twenty twenty one Mike Morris, although the stats aren't there, or twenty twenty one Jalen Harrell. But it's at twenty twenty two when he was on at times closing out games. You think about like against Iowa and Indiana and what he could do with those biggest moments. Just a force out there. Uh, but more importantly, again, another leadership guy with this pick brought a lot to the team. Great locker room presence. Another guy that I think could have benefited from another year at college and really developed those skills. Um, I'm worried about him as a pass rusher at the next level might, might be too tall. Like if he's taller than Hutch and Hutch was borderline six, seven. So we're, we're getting up there. Yeah. You and I, when we uh, read off his, uh, his weight, we're like, nah, that doesn't work. Like it just does not work. And I mean, the fact that he got to how many sacks did he get to eight and a half this year? 
seven and seven a, yeah, I think it was seven and a half. So the fact that he got to seven and a half being that big, I just don't think that's going to work in the NFL. Like he might need to kick inside, honestly, which is still going to be tough because he's massive. Like you might be too tall and like and, and too lean. Like I, I don't know if it works at defensive tackle it's, either, you know? It was it's so underwhelming. So like he had 23 total tackles. Like it's just such an underwhelming season when you go back and look at it. And and it the stats match the eye test. Like at times it was there and it flashed big, but then other times, like, again, you've like, is Mike Morris still playing? Is he still out there on the field? Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I know like kind of the last players that are going to be drafted here. We, I guess we're going to have to go back to back defensive line just because the way it worked yeah. out. That's fine. This is a little weird. Give me Mike Dwum for <laughs> didn't, <Damn didn't, it. laughs> didn't end his time with the team, but uh, people kind of forget that Mike Dwum for was pretty impactful, went over to Rutgers and was probably their best player on defense. Dude, he gave us problems in the 2020 yeah. game. I love a 20, 2018 Dwum 4 was not to be trifled with, man. He was awesome. He was my next pick. He was going to be my final pick in this. So great pick by you, man. Yep, yeah, very forgotten because he didn't finish his career, but he's in that Josh Uche camp where he played so damn mean. Like you just didn't want to be in his way. Like it was just violent. And a guy I think was misused and not put out there we were playing carlo kemp at defensive tackle in 2020 for god's sakes like that's all i need to say god about this. bless you carlo kemp uh probably an awesome <laughs> guy to grab a heineken with but i don't know about my defensive tackle i no no so like the fact that we lost monet and sacrifice of carlo kemp really pains me to this day um okay i i have the my last pick i have to go back to defensive tackle to finish it out i'm so glad i have this he's the last person I have charted out on my eligible draft picks here and actually played alongside him. I'm going to go with uh, 2018 Brian Monet. There you go. Brian Monet, all time, a Timmer McEwen for most surprising NFL run. It, may, it, it makes, it has to be Monet, honestly. Yeah. Like, it makes no sense. Like, I, I don't get any of that credit, but like 18, like he was good. I mean, he was fine, but like, I see. 20 good, fine guys on every Michigan team almost. Right. So I had no idea he was going to be a second contract NFL impact player. Yeah. Like you take the guys that are, who's a guy on this current team that you're like, he's fine. Like that'll do like, and then you expect him to go on. Would that be like DJ Turner? Jalen Harrell. Jalen Harrell. Jamon Green, maybe. It would be like. J yeah. Jamon Green's perfect. Yeah. It would be like Jamon Green going on to be like a 10-year NFL starter like Jared Wilson was another example of this where it was like yeah he was fine and it's like oh he played 11 years dude Jared Wilson was one of the weirdest players I had on yeah. this like he was low on some of my ranks but it's like because like he just never popped at all ever at all I wanted to put him on there but I was like I'm sorry Canell's popping more than him like I know what he becomes and he's big and I like that he has the name Jared even though it's spelled way off just completely wrong a little different, a little different. We decided to throw that second R in there even though it's not really pulling much weight but I, I don't know yeah I couldn't get there as well the Brian Monet one we're kind of scratching bottom of the barrel here a little bit uh Jalen Harrell you mentioned that is my last pick it's uh, yeah. You go on this most recent you year. Gotta, yeah. I can't take him for 2023. 20, <laughs> <laughs> hey, he could have gone 21. I mean, he, like I said, he outsnapped uh, what's his face at times, uh, David Ojabo, but 2022, this was going to be mine. If you'd uh, snagged Morris from me, this is great because what we love is the big games. And he had his best career game against Ohio state this yep. year. He was all over the field. Yep. And that's why he made my list. And I expect big things from him. So hopefully this will age. Well, we always like to revisit this thing, uh, you know, a couple years down the road, but let's revisit it now and look at the teams drafted. All right. So do you want to run through yours? 
I, I have all of them grouped in position. Oh, okay, perfect. Let's do it that way. All right. So at edge, you have uh, people can assume the year they heard us draft. So I'm just going to read the names. Uh, at edge, you had David Ojabo, Taco Charlton, Josh Uche, Rashawn Gary, Jalen Harrell. I had Aiden Hutchinson, Chase Winovich, Chris Wormley, Quiddy Pay, Mike Morris. I get you on the athleticism. I think you get me just overall. I mean, having Hutchinson and Winovich is, it's going to be tough to argue. It's, I would have to argue the Winovich point because people are going to be like, look at the stats. And my argument is like, were they empty calorie stats? Not necessarily empty calorie stats, but like he ate. I know what you're trying right, to get he, at. Like, he yeah. ate a lot on behalf of other people. So I think you get me there. Yeah. Then uh, th- I think you have me here on defensive tackle. You have Mo Hurst, Mozzie Smith, Chris Hinton. Funny, funny enough, both starters from the 2021 team and Mike Dwumfor. I have Willie Henry, Ryan Glasgow, Mason Graham, Brian Monet. Yeah, I have me by a little bit there. The Willie Henry pick probably is going to count as my most surprised. That was the most surprising pick yeah. from you. But I really like it because on rewatch, I was like, God, this guy is an athletic marvel. So, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll take me slightly there. He looks like, I don't know, like uh, who was the who was the little small corner at Michigan that transferred to New Mexico State? Not Brandon Watson. No, oh, Andre Selvin. Yeah, uh, Andre. That's what he looks like. Willie Henry looks like five Andre Seltons wearing a trench coat. That's what he looks like. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like he looks like an NFL. Like he would be big in the NFL. And when he went there, he was bigger than a lot of NFL guys. But just uh, not a vibes guy. Not an effort guy. No. No. Hey, he would wear down. Needed a little more conditioning. Yeah. Definitely needed Ben Herbert. All right, uh, linebackers. You have Junior Colson, Kalik Hudson, Mike McCray, James Ross. I have Devin Bush, Josh Ross, Ben Gideon, Cam McGrone. I think this is our closest. This is close. This is close. It's going to come down to how you value guys. I know I value Kalik Hudson higher than you did, and I probably could have got him later. Could I? Would you have taken Hudson if I didn't take him there? No, I wasn't going to take – that was one I was like sitting on. Like with that position group, I was waiting to see where you went yeah. with it, and then I was going to respond. And I was like, I think he's going to get Hudson. I have I had Ross above him, so I was like, okay, we'll see where this goes. Right, then. and that's how I saw it too. I was like, once I took Colson, we're kind of in a waiting game here. There was a little bit of a Mexican standoff once I took Colson. Like where, where are we going to go here? So Colson went pick three, and then Hudson didn't go until pick nine. So we definitely waited it out there on the linebackers. Yeah, it came down. And again, this is going to like, if think Hudson's significantly better than Ross, then you get into the McGrone other Ross debate and you have the 16 guys, which I think basically cancel each other out almost. Yeah. McGray, Gideon. Yeah. Flip a coin. (laughs) You just kind of forget they're there. So that's fun. And then uh, into the secondary, uh, seven defensive backs apiece. Uh, I'll start with the four corners. You have Jordan Lewis, Will Johnson, Channing Stribling, Lavert Hill, I have only three corners. I have David Long, DJ Turner, Ambry Thomas. I I mean, I have four, but I also have, I think, the best two talent-wise. I definitely have the best one, best season. I'll give myself a little bit of an edge there. Yeah, I I think so too because like I I think you have to put Long right now still above Johnson, yeah. but it's very very close. And I just think you're pulling enough with Channing Shribling's stats. Uh, I make up for the ground here on safety oh, yeah. though, because I have Jabril Peppers, Dax Hill, Rod Moore, Brad Hawkins. You have Mikey Sainer still, Josh Metellus, Tyree Cannell. 
this is where you get me. And I saw it happening yeah. in real time. And legitimately, this was my worry coming into it. I was like, with him having the first pick, like I can't let him get Hutchinson Lewis right off the bat. So I had to take Lewis and then I had to take Hurst because of the drop off that left you completely open for the safeties. And it did end up playing out like that. The one thing that I made the error on was thinking you'd go Rod Moore and I'd be able to get Dax Hill. I think this is going to win you the draft, honestly, having Peppers and I, Hill. I it's, it's tough having those, t- having the three, I mean, three of the four best safeties, no matter where you chart them. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have Hutchinson, Hill and Peppers and Bush like that alone. If you're looking at that and you're a Michigan fan and Winovich in there, I know like I, I don't have Winovich low. Like I know this has been a lot of me saying like, eh, Winovich, very high on Winovich. I just had him like yeah. a peg lower, but like the stats, what he meant to the 18 team. I think people are going to look at that and be like, oh yeah, this is Andy. But I don't know. Like, I mean, I also went very vibes once we got past pick seven. I was like, I want Klee Hudson. I know you don't really give a shit about Khalid Hudson. <laughs> like, I, I, I like Khalid Hudson. You know, he's fine. Like, he's just never like, you no, know, kind of like in the middle on Khalid Hudson, not one way or the other. Like, if someone insults him, I'm going to defend him because it's like the family member. Like, you don't get to talk about no. him. You don't get to say that. I do. What are you going to say and bad about like, him? Uh, what is there to say bad about Khalid Hudson? Like, what, what are you going to have to dig pretty deep? He's still in the NFL, like, still blocking punts. How oh, many yeah. punts oh, yeah. did he block? How many him. punts did that guy block? You know, let's. I'm defending him here. I get that aspect of it too, right? Because we're not doing a a special teams draft. Of course. I mean, the special teams draft would just be a race to get Jake. Yeah, it's it's a coin flip and then I give up. If you win the coin flip, I'm not playing. That's like, all right, give me, give me Robbins. Yeah. Like we could, yeah, let's just workshop it out. It goes uh, Moody, Brad Robbins, giant gap. And then Uh, Will Hart's one season. Kenny Kenny Allen. Allen. Um, 30 pound, 30 rounds of just picks of like uh, Cameron Cheeseman, a couple other guys, <laughs> Quinn Nordine. Just picking a bunch of long slappers, long snappers to avoid Quinn Nordine. And uh, what was the other guy that ended up uh, in a jail somewhere in East Philadelphia? Oh, we're not going to discuss that long Brandon time ago. Gibbons, Out of the yeah. era. Out of the era. He's uneligible. <laughs> the, uh, it's just so fun. Like, you could not force me to pick Quinn mm-hmm. Nordine. Like, I'm just not going to. We just do wouldn't it. do the draft, which is why we're not doing it. But yeah, so we're not doing that. Just a coin flip. But, um, uh, yeah, where we were at. Sorry, I interrupted you. If you were drafting defensive coordinators, how would they go? That is very, very interesting. Do you want to and pick the season? Do you want to do it real quick? It's your pick. Go ahead. Just do it. Okay. We'll do one apiece. I just, oh man, I don't, I don't want to be. Give me, give me mentor twenty twenty two. I'll take McDonald twenty one. It's it's so tough because like look at 2016 or 2018 2015 brother three games in a row nobody scored that is the most enjoyable stretch of the rewatch maybe other than if you're removing all the Ohio State Big Ten games most enjoyable stretch of the rewatch 15 scoreless in a scoreless um, streak yeah whatever you want to call it or the 18 revenge tour it's one of those two. It definitely the eight, uh, 18 and 19 defenses always get knocked because of the end. Like the end just takes so yep. much out of the way. 17, like we talked yeah, about, is the hardest to rank because they had to carry so much water for the offense. Yeah, absolutely. But I think I would do it the same. I think I would take Minter just ever so slightly. I mean, the, the TCU game is the only thing that you can bring up 
to knock him down a peg. But then there's the Georgia game against Mike McDonald, which I think is a little less egregious because of how generational that team is viewed. But yeah, it's a tight one, man. It's a tight one. That's not part of the draft. That was just for for fun. No. Yeah, that's just yeah, that's just for fun. The mentor defense one's interesting because the offense, you know, spotted 14 points against him. Yeah. So it's like. You factor that into it's just such an interesting thing. I think McDonald had to be second because of how important it was because of the drastic turnaround that had to happen. He was the first defensive coordinator. I'd have to really go back and dive into Durkin, but like after after Brown to really just like put people in the right position. He didn't fit people into his. He really just adapted his defense to what they do best. Mentor carried the same thing, and that's a sign of just a great coach. So it would be Durkin third, and then Don Brown, right? Yeah, just because the Don Brown stuff, I think as soon as you understood what he was doing, if he doesn't have those elite athletes, the 16 defense is next. Like, if you're going to just take a season, give me the 2016 defense for sure, though. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But, like, we don't really put a lot of that on Don Brown. I think you and I probably could have coached that defense to some success. Yeah, also with Durkin's uh, a little a little heavier baggage nowadays too, so I still keep him down. Yeah, yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna get into that. Like I was on the uh, I was on the Bleacher Report with uh, with Michael this week, and he was like, "Hey, give me your like what the hell moment from the week," and I was like, "Carl Malone." <laughs> like, like I don't mind getting into this stuff, but like maybe we don't need to uh, litigate it on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, oh. all right, so your favorite pick that I made the best pick um god I I don't want I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna come back and say I think it was Mozzie Smith second I like it for your second defensive tackle I liked that a lot I liked Josh Uche third a lot and I liked uh Mike Dwumfor and Mike McCray for value picks because Dwumfor was a guy I was literally going to take and you snagged him. Uche was a guy. I knew I couldn't get him past you just because I know you. But I was like, that's such a good pick because I value it. I test is like b- mind blowing how good he is. Uh, yeah, I like that one. For you, I think the pick that's going to win you this draft is the Dax Hill pick. Um, and I think I messed that up. I think I probably could have let Ojabo sit, but you took Hutchinson and Winovich. And because you started off on such that like hot trajectory with pass rushers, I felt the need to grab Ojabo, even though I could have let him sit and taken Dax Hill there. And then Will Johnson, I could have gotten a little bit more strategic there. It's yeah, I made the same misstep like later on too. And it's so hard having the second pick because you're always playing catch up because you had McCarthy and I that really swung things about what I had to do because I'm like, God, then he's gonna get this third pick and just nail it. So it was really hard to go back and forth like that. But man, this was this was awesome. No, this was awesome. Uh most surprising pick. Most surprising pick. (laughs) I don't want to say Channing Stribling (laughs) just because you had your hands tied behind you. Who else am I gonna take? I had to. (laughs) <laughs> honestly I, I wasn't too surprised by really any of your picks like I, I had it all mapped out very similarly um yeah I honestly I honestly none none really shocked me I thought you I mean Uche in a, in a good way just because I thought like very high very highly of him but none of them really jumped out to me as like oh man I can't believe he's taking him here you're losing so much value I would say the only one have to be late James Ross probably okay yeah and that's fair and at that point I was kind of just like Michael Barrett or James Ross like you're getting down into the bottom of the barrel there for me like no question I think this will be the most surprising for the listeners too it was Willie Henry 
I just, I needed that big body. I, I could not live in a world where you again had those two monsters on the inside, like Willie Henry and Mo Hurst. Like after that, I was like, oh great, I'm going to play with um, oh, Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton. I'm going to play with the 2021 team again against this all hardball team. I just, I just could not allow, I needed somebody that really flashed dominance along the Man, line. like an ultimate what if, because Willie Henry and Maurice Hurst played alongside each other on that 2015 defensive line. If Willie Henry could have come back for one more season, like, oh my yeah. goodness, would that be like, that is, they are the best two interior penetrating defensive linemen that we've had. Like when you're getting your pass rush from the middle, I value that so highly. Like, so that part of Willie yeah. Henry, like you didn't have to talk me into, but it was surprising that you took him above some other guys. On 16, if he'd come back, you would have had those two in the middle, then Charlton and Wormley. That's all beef team. Jeez, that is a massive team. That is like 1,700 pounds a human. The 2016 rewatch was really interesting because at times, just like toying with your food at times, it felt like in a lot of these games. And it's like, you understand later on, like Wisconsin ended up going to the Big Ten Championship. Uh, Colorado went to the Pac-12 Championship. Like a lot of good Penn State won the Rose Bowl. And we just like rolled over them like it was nothing. So very interesting team. And it's like, I mean, two plays swung them from just being an all-timer. Yeah, Don Brown actually coached a really good game against Ohio State. Totally forgot about that because of how we thought about him. But on that rewatch, I was like, yeah, this is not on Don Brown, really. No, no. I mean, his 16, his 16 and 17 game plans for Ohio State were just masterful. They were all, hardball 17 offensive game plan against Ohio State. Now we're really in the weeds right now yeah. is is brilliant with what he did with John O'Quinn. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Like, so that's what, what has made this rewatch fun. I'm glad we did it for this draft class. We're going to put up these lists for you to vote on. I think you're going to get me. Looks like I got you for the offense. I don't know when we're ending the official count. So long as people are listening and voting. We'll just keep the count going, I guess. We don't really care. I think I have it to end March 1st. (laughs) March 1st. All right, there it is. There's the date. I think you're going to get me, though, and it's going to end up being a wash. Uh, Like you said, man, controlling the first pick was huge. And uh, yeah, this was maybe my favorite exercise we've done. I mean, we've done something similar to this, but I really like the way that you, you scripted this. This was a ton of fun. This was fun, man. It's awesome to talk about these old players, forgotten heroes, really give certain ones their flowers. I'm going to save this on a document so we can revisit. I'm going to put your offense and defense together, my offense and defense together, and we can look at full teams and just, you know, keep revisiting this, keep drafting, because that's what we do best. We're always going to keep drafting. You and I are going to be 96 years old, and the world is going to be run by giant insects, and we're still going to be out here drafting. You're going to be like, oh, the 20 the 2037 defensive line, arguably the best. It's already run by giant insects and we're still, you know, (laughs) splitting hairs over Jake Ryan's potential. (laughs) Wish I could have drafted Jake Ryan. He'd have been in there, baby. Yes, he would have. Oh, man. All right. That's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever. Leave us a five-star review. You can follow us on Twitter at Maze and Brew. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.